Hey there, freedom-loving carnivores. It's Jeff Dornick from Freedom First Network, and I've got a message for you. Are you tired of feeling like your beef choices are under siege? Well, fellow patriots, it's time to fight back with Prepper All Naturals. That's right, folks. In a world where the beef industry is under constant attack, Prepper All Naturals is here to stand tall and proud as a veteran-owned beacon of quality, taste, and freedom. When the guys at Prepper All Natural set out to provide you with the finest beef products, they knew they had a duty to defend America's beef legacy, and that's why we're proud to partner with them, bringing you the best of what this great land has to offer. Whether it's their succulent freeze-dried beef cubes or their premium freezer boxes packed with steaks and roasts, we're redefining what it means to enjoy beef today and tomorrow. And let me tell you folks, their freeze-dried beef isn't just delicious, it's built to last. With proper stores, their beef cubes can maintain their quality and freshness for up to a decade, ensuring you'll never have to compromise on taste or nutrition. But wait, there's more. They're not just in the business of selling beef. They're in the business of defending freedom. That's why they promise to never sell you anything less than 100% all-American natural beef. No lab-grown imposters, no experimental jabs, and certainly no compromises with the woke agenda. So, fellow beef enthusiasts, join us in our mission to protect America's beef legacy. Visit freedomfirstbeef.com and use code FFM for 15% off your order. Because when you choose Prepper All Naturals, you're not just eating well today, you're eating well tomorrow. And together... We'll ensure that beef remains a symbol of freedom for generations to come. Prep for all naturals, where beef meets freedom. California Shadow Salons. How I finally got my hair cut on the black market. Today, on The Knock Report. Another episode, a special episode of the Knock Report. I'm your host, J.D. Rucker, and today my usual co-host and wife uh, is actually more than that today. She's my interviewee. So my lovely and talented Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Tammy. So today she became a fugitive of the law. <laughs> At least out here in California, that's what that's what it feels like because we're in total lockdown. You can't go to get your hair cut. You can't go to salons. Some things are opening up, but salons and barbershops, they are not one of them. And so, you know, they've been relegated to stage three, which will means we got to wait for a vaccine or a cure or something. I'm, I don't even know what exactly stage three is, but salons are not open. And so stylists are hurting. As we, we learned today, they're hurting even worse than, than we had thought. And so, you know, we had been preparing a, a podcast yesterday that was going to deal with Bill, Bill Gates. If you heard yesterday's podcast about Eisenhower, you would have heard that, you know, stay tuned, guys. We're going to be talking about Bill Gates, and it's a blockbuster. Well, instead, we, she got some good news. She was able to find on the quote unquote black market a stylist in the local area here in California and uh, made the executive call of saying, you know what, we need to do this. So she contacted a friend who also needed a stylist. They decided, let's go for it. And they did. They went for it. Now, before we get into this experience, this harrowing and experience that, that the way that you explained it to me sounds almost like a drug deal, basically. Here in California, that's how free business, free market is being relegated to drug deals. But explain to me why, you know, what is the big deal? Why not just wait to get your hair cut, I don't know, in a month, two months, six months, a year, two years, never? <laughs> you know, what, what's, what, what, what prompted you to, uh, to go down the black market route? 
Well, I didn't have any other choice, first of all, to go that route. But aside from my personal needs, I really wanted to reach out and to support these people who are suffering. They need to feed their families just as much as we do or as anybody else does. And although they're considered, quote unquote, non-essential, they still have essential needs for themselves. And I just felt like I wanted to do this. I mean, risky. Yes, but well, it was it was just something I felt I needed to do. Civil disobedience is always risky, but it's something that you know we we have been promoting. I wasn't was never a fan in the past of civil disobedience until this coronavirus made me realize how wrong I was. Now people like like uh, Shelley Luther down in Dallas, the salon owner who was jailed. You've got uh, the salon owner Lindsey Graham. No, not the senator, the salon owner up in Oregon, I believe who, you know, she's been fined like $14,000. And you know, these are people that are just trying to make a living. And, and keep something in mind. This is something very important that we learned today, that these stylists, many of them are independent contractors, which means they cannot get unemployment, which means they cannot even qualify in many cases for any assistance. Now, we'll, Tammy will tell more about that later, but you know, walk us through the you know, the experience of just getting there, okay? Because the way that you explained it to me, it seemed, again, like like this was you're walking into a drug dealer or a trap or something. Right. Well, even the initial response in terms of, like, us texting back and forth, I think we both were hesitant to, you know, whether or not this was going to be a trap. Um, but, you know, lo and behold, we made the appointment and we rushed over there. And just pulling into the parking lot, you realized, okay, you know, driving there, we're excited, but then you get there and it's like, okay, you start to think things, you know, like, um, should I be parking in the front? Or, you know, you're looking around to see if there's any cops, you know? So when we did finally park, it's like, okay, how does this go down? Do we just sit in the car or, you know, uh, there were some people sitting in a car a few, a few spots away and, you know, you're, you're sort of looking at them at the side thinking, you know, oh my gosh, are they just waiting there for us to go in and, and then just, you know, catch us. So it's it's a really weird um, feeling, actually, because I, I, this is not in my, <laughs> I haven't done this before. I don't, I mean, I don't do drug deals, and if, but I guess that's the closest you can describe this you, situation. <laughs> was, you, you said how, you know, you, you were wondering how this is going to go down, and uh, you're looking <laughs> around for cops. I know. Stuff. I want to keep, keep, make sure everybody keeps this in mind that these are American citizens participating in an activity that is legal, okay? It's not like they're they're out trying to do anything bad. They're trying to get their hair cut. And here in California, here in the, in the United States of America, in the Republic of California, they are literally concerned about whether or not this is a sting operation from law enforcement because it very well could be. How did, then you said the stylist also seemed to be a little bit concerned about you as well. Yeah, as soon as we walked in, um, you could tell there was a little bit of, you know, kind of looking us over to make sure that we didn't mean any harm or that we weren't trying to, you know, say, I, I'm going to report you or something. But quickly, it was established that we were needing a service and we weren't there to do anybody harm. And we were all kind of watching our backs <laughs> while we were there. Did they, did they say, hey, are you guys cops? No, no. But no. they were they were just concerned about you being police or law enforcement. They were also concerned that you might be uh, 
some of the many people that apparently had threatened them? Well, yeah, they had received some pretty negative feedback uh, once it was seemed like they were open for business on this place where I found them. And, you know, it it's really sad, but she said that she had received some pretty really, you know, nasty comments and remarks and I felt bad. I don't, I didn't know what to say, but once I told her, I said, that's really, that's really sad and that's really mean. And I'm sorry that you have to deal with that. I think she realized pretty quickly that, you know, we sort of empathized with her and we didn't mean any, anything like that. <laughs> so they, they didn't pull a gun or anything? Oh, of course not. <laughs> just, just a hairdryer. <laughs> It, you don't know if there's a gun in there. No, or not. no, no. So, uh, so yeah. So, so you get your, you go there, you get your haircut. Was there like a, a coronavirus upcharge? Did, did they charge you five hundred bucks a, <laughs> a, a head? No, no, no. Uh, what what we did have to do, however, is that we had to go in individually, um, and we had to remain separated, and we had to follow all the guidelines, and they they were as well. So. Because the door, because they can't technically be open, the door had to remain locked. So she had to personally let us in, and we had to each go in individually and then set in separate areas of the salon, and then she had to lock the door back. And so uh, once that was established, then it was sort of walk us through how the process was going to take place. So why are they doing it? I'm sure that this, it came up. Did they explain why, you know, why don't they just, uh, you know, go get public assistance or something like that. Well, that did come up and they were freely willing to share this information because they knew that they were doing something that the government here in California has told them not to do, but they had no choice. The lady who actually was doing my hair just that day said that she had filed for the second time for unemployment and was denied. And she had just left the unemployment office and was very upset and said that she has no choice. She has a baby and she has to pay her rent and she has to pay her bills. So she doesn't care what happens. She's just going to have, she has to go back to work. The other person who happened to be the salon owner was saying the same exact thing. She said, yeah, I've applied twice for unemployment as well both times being denied. She said, but then they told me that I can't open. So if you're not going to give me assistance yet, you're not going to let me open. So, so where does that leave me? I actually have to continue to pay rent on this building and my bills, not to mention my personal bills, you know, at home. I mean, what do you expect us to do? And I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I said, well, why, why? I don't understand why you wouldn't get assistance. She said, because we're private contractors. We technically are private contractors. But, you know, I, that means we, we get nothing. Well, is were they illegal immigrants? Because illegal immigrants get money from California right now. Not that I know of, no. <laughs> I didn't go into their legal status, but I, I assuming she owns it, you know, she yeah no anyway <laughs> <laughs> I know I was kidding so <laughs> cheer up <laughs> I feel like a criminal <laughs> this is stupid <laughs> so I mean now that now that we have 
you have experienced this. Uh, number one, uh, do you feel that the right precautions were taken there? I mean, do you do, did you feel at risk of catching COVID nineteen? No, I didn't. Was there proper sterilization? Like, uh, did you obviously? I shouldn't have to ask, but did you? Did you sterilize yourself when everything was said and done? Oh, yeah. They had sanitizer everywhere. Um, you wash your hands, you sanitize. You all, everybody has to wear masks. They're wearing gloves. And the, they had a special cleanser for their chairs. And she was already wiping them down. And there wasn't even anybody in there. But she was wiping it down just for precaution. So anytime somebody walks in, everything has to be wiped down. No matter if you leave it to wash your hair and come back it's still wiped down. So even if you're returning to the chair that you just left, that the, everything's very, very sanitary from my, from my understanding, at least. And the distancing, there's two sides in this particular song. There's two sides. So no customers are sitting next to each other. So, so they were, they've tried to get assistance. They've been told that they can't get assistance, but they also can't make a living. Is right. That, that's correct. Right. And they and don't, is, they don't are... work from their homes. They work out of an, an actual business. So. so let's talk about the freedom aspect of this. Was there any sense that this was some you know, patriotic duty that they were fulfilling? Or are these people just trying to survive? No, this was completely out of desperation. In fact, the way I found this particular stylist, not a lot of stylists do this. Even the ones that are taking clients that have already been established... This was out of pure desperation. I mean, both of them, the, not only the owner, but the employee. And it was, I, I just had no idea because she, she was at her wit's end. Honestly, she, as soon as I texted, she, I mean, she had just left the unemployment office, literally had just left the unemployment office trying to figure out, begging them to help. And... I texted her and I told her, you know, what I told her and, you know, was very thankful, but she was more thankful for our business than I was for her to be available. It was, that's how, that's how bad it is. These salon owners and the salon owner, by the way, knew every single story of all the salons uh, and salon owners and the employees and all this from around the country. She knew every single story. She's been keep, keeping up on top of it. She was telling me about other things that I wasn't even aware of. And I, I went, when I got home, I looked it up and I found, oh my gosh, wow, that's, that's crazy. And it was true. And so, yeah, I mean, this was not out of defiance. This was out of desperation to survive. I'll tell you, this is, uh, this actually ticks me off quite a bit. Uh, knowing that my wife has to feel like she's a criminal just to go out and do something simple like like uh, getting her hair cut. But also, I didn't know about uh, this desperation. I just assumed that, and I think a lot of people assume that, oh, don't worry, if people are out of jobs, they're getting unemployment. Well, they're, they're not always. If people aren't able to afford this, that, or the other, they, they're getting taken care of by government. Well, no, apparently they're not. And... I wouldn't be shocked to learn that this is fairly commonplace. We've seen here in America, we've seen people falling through the cracks before, but it's always been, you know, a very small number. From what I can tell, based upon reactions, not just on social media, 
not just you know um, firsthand experience that you just had, but but just from from looking at people's faces in the grocery stores, from feeling you know as we we look outside and see things empty, see things not progressing. I would imagine that this desperation, this sentiment of despair, and this near destitution that we're facing as a nation, many of us are, that it's more pervasive than I think many Americans even know. Did you get the feeling from them? You, you mentioned that they were desperate. Did you sense any anger about their situation as they're describing anything? I think more frustration than anything. Because, you know, after the salon owner and the person who was doing our hair actually told me this, she wanted to quickly point out to me, she says, I don't want you to think that I want the government's money. That was the first thing that she said after she told me the situation. She's like, I don't want you to think that. I, I don't want to have assistance. I don't, I don't want to have the government give me money, honestly. I just want to work. These were literally the words out of her mouth. And then the, the other lady agreed. She said, oh, yeah, no, I would prefer not to have any government assistance at all. I mean, going there to beg was not, was not easy. But I have no other choice. And I don't know what else to do. And this is crazy. This is ridiculous. So, no, I had no, I had, it wasn't so much anger as it was just, we don't know what else to do. And I think eventually that's going to turn into anger, especially if, you know, they do lose their businesses or, you know, something, God forbid, you know, they're not able to pay their rent or, you know, whatever. Sure. So... I imagine, I would think I would personally be very angry, but they didn't seem angry to me. They just seemed very thankful that they had some business and they just wanted to get back to work so desperately. Well, let's take a, a quick break and uh, let's hear from our good friend, Jeff Dornick, as he describes the Saving America Conference, which we're going to be bringing this story up at the Saving America Conference on May 30th. A week from Saturday, so stay tuned and uh, and check that out at facebook.com/slash/americanconservatism. Hey, this is Jeff Dornick, co-founder of the American Conservative Movement. Mark your calendars for Saturday, May 30th, as we'll be doing our third edition of the Saving America Conference, which will be streaming live on our Facebook page. Past speakers have included Pastor Greg Locke, Joshua Fierstein, Mindy Robinson, Annie Cyrus, Trevor Loudon, and so many more amazing conservative speakers. We've been averaging about 25,000 viewers per conference, and I hope that you'll join us for this next one. For more information, go to AmericanConservativeMovement.com, and we'll see you for the Saving America Conference on Saturday, May 30th on the ACM Facebook page. So we're back for the remainder of this harrowing tale that definitely shouldn't be harrowing. It's a standard practice to get your hair cut here in America, uh, but it's not standard and there's nothing commonplace about it here in California and in many other places across the nation. It's ridiculous that it has come to this, especially, you know, we're not ones who believe that this disease, this coronavirus is no big deal. Okay. It is. It's a big deal. But it's not this massive killer that it's being painted as, not at least for, for those who don't have pre-existing conditions, those who don't have 
have heart conditions, kidney conditions, lung conditions, diabetes, people who aren't 70 years old or, or older. You know, for those of us who who are relatively healthy and able to go out, the coronavirus isn't generally a killer. And so this lockdown has forced people to take extreme measures just to do something simple like getting a haircut. And that's not right. So tell us, did they, you know, what other, I guess you could say, safety protocols were, were taken while you guys were there as far as, you know, whether it's safety from the coronavirus or safety from law enforcement or, or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, other than watching cautiously every time a car pulled into the parking lot, I know that we were there in the evening hours as well when the sun began to go down. And the good thing about that salon is that the windows are tended, so during the day you can't see in it, but at night you can if the lights are on. But the salon owner wasn't able to take that risk. And so because it was getting dark, she needed to see to cut our hair. So she had to turn this little light on in the back of the salon because the lights in the front would allow you to see inside and that was too big of a risk and she wasn't willing to take that risk not only just for her sake but for ours so I felt that was that was really when you know you're sitting there talking you're getting your hair cut and you're feeling rather normal other than the masks and everything but then when that happened you realized okay we're back this is this is real and we really do have to pray for these guys and for, you know, everyone out there suffering because they're not able to open their businesses. And so it was, it was kind of, um, you know, it was definitely experience. I didn't wake up today thinking that I would be at a salon and going through this and seeing it firsthand and talking to people firsthand about what they're having to go through. But it certainly was something that I, we felt it was notable. (laughs) We were joking before you left. That okay, you know, so so what's the protocol if you get arrested and you know where who who should we get to start the GoFundMe page and make sure you get video <laughs> and all this stuff? But then <laughs> after the fact, you know, as you're gone, I started thinking, oh, what what do we do if she gets arrested? What what could happen? And uh, unfortunately, you know, you were learning about the Lindsey Graham incident up in Oregon uh, around the same time that that I was learning a lot more about it. And one thing that really concerned me, not just for us, but also for the stylists, is that they weren't arrested. You know, she didn't get arrested like Shelley Luther did down in Dallas. Instead, um, Child Protective Services was sent to her home to interview her and her husband, to interview their children. They wanted to interview their three-year-old child one-on-one without them present because, you know, again, because she opened up her salon. They checked their baby's diaper. And so... That started really getting me at least a little bit concerned. I kept checking for texts from you, making sure everything was okay. You know, this is this is not something that should be... We shouldn't have these concerns. We're Americans. You know, we're... Retaliation from the law enforcement going after kids is... And the salon owner was the one who informed me of this. And like I said, she knew all the cases around the country. And this is the one that she really... F- felt was pretty scary. She's like, you know, we were talking about the risks of opening. And she said, yeah, I mean, the the lady up in Oregon, you know, they, they, call, they call child protective services on her kids. And I'm like, surely not, really? 
oh my gosh. And I, I looked it up and it was, yeah. And it, and you look in farther into the story and it's, it's even more infuriating once you start learning the facts. And so I was like, my goodness. I mean, these, these salon owners are taking huge risks, but they're doing it not just for the, you know, for the sake of being defiant. Truly, it's not. And they really are not receiving any help. And they're at, what are they supposed to do? That's what I, I couldn't understand. The person that was with me was appalled. I said, is this really happening? Is this actually happening here? I can't believe this is happening. How, how are we letting this happen? I don't get it. So. It is happening. And today is, uh, is Freedom Friday. So hashtag Freedom Friday. If you're out there, if you're participating in civil disobedience, if you're participating in this show up, open up, whatever thing that uh, Convention of States is doing, or you're doing it for other reasons, participating in local protests, we're in a situation now as Americans that is unprecedented. You know, people can say, well, you know, the Vietnam War era was different and, and it was not very, very, uh, there was a lot of things that were happening back then that are happening now. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I, I wasn't there, but from what I can tell, that was that that was limited. You know, this coronavirus crisis is affecting literally everyone in America. It doesn't matter if you think that in your situation you're not being affected, because you are. One way or the other, everyone is getting affected by this, whether it's because of the social distancing, because of the mask wearing, because of the fear, because of rampant crime, increased depression. You can look at people and you can see that we're really growing into the sense of hopelessness that the sense of desperation that you experienced today from from these these ladies who are just trying to make a living who have who have tried everything else and yet the way that they can support their family the only way they can support their family is to essentially break the law. Right. And there are people out there that can badmouth them, not just uh, these ladies, but barbers, barbershops as well, whoever it is. There are people that can easily badmouth them, but without even knowing what it feels like to be forced out of business, essentially, and not receive any help whatsoever. It's not anything that any normal person in this country would say, oh, okay, I'm okay with that, you know? And it's just... You know, the people that go, I, I, I've said this before on Twitter, if you're going to complain about people who are protesting, if you're going to complain about people who are defying these ordinances and, and executive orders, you better be one of the people who is waiting in line to get food at the food banks for four to six hours, because if you're not, then don't complain. If you don't know what it's like to be hopeless, if you don't know what it's like to be fearful of whether or not you and your family are going to be homeless next month, or if you will be able to feed your child tonight, if you don't feel this way, then stay out of it. You know, don't, don't express your, your righteous outrage towards these people because you don't know what it's like you're not there you can say oh my gosh you're killing grandma well no that's not the situation here americans are smarter than that that's why if you opened up 
all the theaters around this country, all the restaurants around this country without any guidelines, people would still take guidelines because they're in, they're more intelligent than that. You need to give them more credit. Obviously, people are not going to just walk into salons willy-nilly without any kind of protection at this point in time. I mean, you don't even have to tell them to do it. They did. They'll do it themselves. And people... If you don't want to go to a salon, you don't have to go to a salon. And no, they are not the reason for the coronavirus. It is not even they. The CDC just recently came out that this it's not on surfaces, right? And that's what the salon owners was actually telling me how <laughs> that was really frustrating. How oh now they tell us. I mean that would have helped us out, you know, weeks ago. So I mean, really, honestly, people just you don't know what it's like to be in those shoes at all. Right. And I get it if it was at the very beginning when we didn't know anything about this virus, right? But this has been weeks and weeks, and you cannot expect people to not have any income coming in and feed their family without having any kind of assistance and be okay with it, because you wouldn't. Right, and even if they, they're getting assistance, people generally, what you learn today is that people generally don't want assistance. No. We want to work. We want to earn our money. Right. We want to take care of our families. We don't want to be taken care of by government. And that's one of the things that really upsets me the most about this is because I know that if you look at Florida, you look at Texas, you look at places that have been open for a while, you know, these places that are generally, they're operated and run by, by conservative governors. Then you look at places like here, California, you look up in Oregon, Washington, uh, over in, in New York, uh, New Jersey, they're run by people who have, as one of their unstated goals, putting people, as many people as possible, into a state of dependency on government. This is how leftists operate, okay? So we have to, as patriots, as Americans, we have to push back. This is not an option anymore. And if that means going and, and getting your hair cut, if that means participating in helping others who are opening their businesses, then we have to do it. Because if we don't, these leftists are just going to keep taking more. And they're going to keep extending the the lockdowns. And they're going moving to, the goalposts. Moving the goalposts. They're going to be taking the goalposts out of the ground and hiding them somewhere. Exactly. Because they don't want the goal to ever be achieved. Now, some people will say, oh, it's because they want to get rid of Trump or... Or it's because of this, that, or the other. At the end of the day, these are tyrants who want to be tyrants. And it's not the coronavirus didn't make them tyrants. The coronavirus is their excuse for becoming tyrants. So keep this all in mind. You know, Take this story to heart. Share it with your friends and family. Participate in this hashtag Freedom Friday in one way or the other. Send your videos over to uh, Mark Meckler and his team. But most importantly... Remember who you are and where we are. And let's fight for what's right, not just what, what's going to keep us the safest. Because guess what? As they say in, uh, in the movie Heat, you know, you can get killed walking your doggy. So I'm not saying, hey, you know, go like, like you'd mentioned, go willy-nilly and, and go hog wild and forget about the coronavirus. We can still be smart. We can be safe. And we can still open up for business. Let's open up America now, immediately. All the way. Forget about this this 37-step process. Forget about, you know, stage one, stage two, stage 14. Okay? Just open it. We're ready. We need it. People are desperate. 
let's put an end to this. Any I, final thoughts? No, I'm just, I'm glad. I'm for, I feel fortunate to be able to see that and to, um, that we came out safely, first of all, and that we were able to actually get their side of the story. Um, like I said, I didn't wake up today thinking that that's where I'd be. And so I feel grateful to be in that situation and, and to see what they are having to go through. And so I agree with you completely, 100%, and I'm sure they would too. Excellent. Well, you all just uh, stay strong. Stay safe. God God bless. Folks, listen up. I've got something crucial to share with you today. In this uncertain world, you need to be prepared for anything, especially when it comes to your health. That's where the Wellness Company comes in, offering you peace of mind in a box with their medical emergency kit. Picture this. You're faced with a medical emergency and you need quick, effective treatment. The Wellness Company's medical emergency kit is like having a strategic arsenal of life-saving medications right at your fingertips. From proven treatments like ivermectin to generic Z-Packs and amoxicillin, this kit has got you covered. But that's not all. Every kit comes with a medical emergency guidebook, ensuring you have the knowledge to use these medications safely and effectively. It's like having a medical professional right there with you when you need it most. And here's the kicker. Use code FFN to get 10% off your medical emergency kit at twc.health FFN. That's right, folks. 10% off, peace of mind in a box. Don't wait until it's too late. Get your medical emergency kit today and be ready for whatever comes your way. Stay safe, stay prepared with a wellness company. Again, Use code FFN to get 10% off your medical emergency kit at twc.health slash FFN. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.